It's the Locked On Flyers podcast for Friday, December 29th, your daily dose of Flyers news, analysis, and high-quality content that likes to start a road trip off right, Russ. What do you mean, with no sleep? Is that right? I don't know. (laughs) With a win. Uh, We're going to talk about that win versus Vancouver. (laughs) Then we're going to bring in our Locked On Kraken friend, Erica L. Ayala, to preview tonight's Uh, second half of the back-to-back all on today's show. Your Locked On Flyers, your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Flyers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, and thanks for making Locked On Flyers your first listen every day. I am Rachel Donner. You can find me on the app formerly known as Twitter at rmiriam. I'm here as always with Russ Cohen, who's on all your favorite social media apps at Sportsology, and we are at Locked On Flyers on Instagram, Threads, Blue Sky, and Twitter as well. Today's episode is brought to you by Sleeper. Download the Sleeper app and use the promo code Locked On NHL to get up to $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. You can find us over on YouTube, on the SiriusXM app, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Subscribe to get our latest episode as soon as it's available here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, Russ, we had Sam Erson in net for most of the game. Uh, coming out partway through due to dehydration with Carter Hart checking in uh, for the majority of the third period there. But uh, if he was dehydrated, couldn't really tell because Sam Erson was having a great game. He really was. But, you know, dehydration is one of those things that could just creep up on you and get you. And, yeah. you know, he, he was having a really good game. I think he was frustrating uh, the Canucks. So. Yeah, it's a shame. Maybe it's good that Hart got in there a little bit so he could shake off what happened to him the last game. And, you know, hopefully Arson's okay. I'm sure he will be. But, yeah, that was kind of weird. It was just one of those weird things. Yeah, um, I I do think it was good for Hart to get a little bit of time, uh, to your point. I think that it'll help him going into that game uh, in Seattle, which we will be talking about. We've got a slightly extra long episode uh, today. It was a really good conversation with Erica L. Ayala from Locked on Crack and wanted to give you the whole thing. So you're getting it. So uh, that is why today's episode is a little bit long. Uh, but really, I, I think, decisive win against mm-hmm. the top uh, team in the NHL or one of the top teams. Um, that second period, a little over two minutes, three goals, that is like not something you would generally expect out of the Flyers against a team like the Canucks, but they look good doing it. They did. You know, the first period was interesting because it was kind of like neither team wanted to really kind of screw up. They were they were, they were both kind of waiting on chances. Yeah. And in the second period, they really were opportunistic. And that was something that, you know, was good to see. Everybody, I can't say everybody, most everybody played well. I think Cam Atkinson is still struggling, though. And and that's I'm not sure what they could do about that, but most everybody, you know, even Farabee had some bad moments in that game, and then later redeemed himself. So that was good to see too. Yeah, uh, Joel Farabee, of course, uh, with a, a great move on 
his goal in that game and uh, a little deja vu with uh, Egor Zamula scoring a goal against the Canucks uh, on the power play uh, on the broadcast. I'm sure you saw it. If you watched the game, they replayed his goal against the Canucks from the beginning of the season. Same shot. That's that yeah. is wild. It is. It's crazy. It happens that way sometimes. It wasn't the same goalie though, right? The Smith wasn't there right. the first time. So right, it was at, least, at least it was a different goalie. Otherwise it really would have been crazy. Yeah, I think uh, it was pretty remarkable, but very, very happy for him. And speaking of Zamula, um, we had talked about switching up that second power play unit, getting Ristolainen off of it. And Zamula was the one who slotted in on a unit with Atkinson, Lawton, Brink, and Forster at one point in the game. And, you know, he winds up getting a goal in that uh, on the power play. And I, I think... You know, he's not a power play specialist by any stretch of the imagination, but I thought he looked pretty good. Yeah, he looked pretty good. I mean, early on, the power play looked really bad. So, yeah, um, they just started to just they threw anybody on there like it was like they did blow it up, like you said, but I think they blew it up too much. But yeah. no, it was good to have Zamula in there. That was that was smart. The problem is, if you're going to keep him on the power play, you're going to have to play him all the time. And we'll see if they continue to play him all the time. It'd be nice to see if that's what happens. Yeah, I think he earned it, though. At least yeah. earned another game consecutively based yeah. on how he played. Well, there's no question he earned that. Game. But, you know, I don't think there's any question about that. Yeah. Um, one of the other uh, things in this game was uh, forechecking. And we talked about goals for the road trip and what Torts had said about the last games before Christmas. And um, I don't know that they forechecked a ton more, but they certainly did more in this game than previous games. I think they had to, given who they were playing, but it was good to see them execute on it a little bit. Yeah, I think the first period, even though they had, you know, the edge and shots, I'm not sure the forecheck was great. I think uh, I think what, what changed it for the forecheck was they were kind of getting um, beat in the corners with the size. Yeah. And you know, the, the size and length of some of the defensemen on, on the Canucks. I think, you know, like Myers and such were causing problems. So I think that may have sparked them and fired them up to do that because it was otherwise it was hard to get the puck. Yeah, I would say that uh, for sure. Although, like, I think Myers uh, had some key giveaways in this game. Oh, he always does. Well, he always so. does. But still, it's yeah. still like, a, you know, like a basically like a building to kind of get around if yeah. he's just clearing the puck out. And, and that's, you know, but you're right. Yeah, he, he does always turn over the puck at some point. Yeah, and then uh, the other thing uh, that was interesting, I thought, uh, you talked about Cam Atkinson not having a great game. And, of course, he got uh, into that scrap uh, basically attacking Jolson, yeah. um, you know, taking that penalty. And it was, like, pretty soon after the Canucks had scored that, scored that goal. And, you know, there's always that pit in your stomach, like, oh, God, is this, is this like, a momentum shift? No. Yeah. Flyers power kill, uh, as advertised. Um, and it was really nice to see Paling and Hathaway be part of the scoring for that yeah. power kill, because it's not usually that. No, no. And Paling was having a good game. You could see that early on. So, you know, that was something that was good to see. I think, you know, one of the other noticeable things was Sean Couturier taking basically all the faceoffs in the game. I think, like, he took half of them and then everybody else combined took the other half. Right. We, we kind like of that. figured that was going to have to happen. 
you know, based yeah. on who they were facing. So that was good. I mean, he was up to the task. Yeah, I think, you know, the only question coming out of this game, um, you know, we're recording this immediately after, uh, so we don't have a Travis Konechny update yet. Um, a little worried about him. Yeah, well, I mean, he does get hurt usually once a year, and we talked about it maybe two shows ago. Like, right now, he's been really healthy, but in this game, he was getting knocked around. He was, yeah. so... I would say so. But uh, all in all, a very good effort from the Flyers. And uh, again, good to see them get the road trip off on a really solid start. Yeah, it's as good as you'd want right out of the, uh, you know, holiday break. All right. We are going to switch gears to talk about tonight's matchup with the Seattle Kraken with our Locked on Kraken pal Erica L. Ayala. And that is coming up next today's episode of locked on flyers and locked on kraken is brought to you by our friends at ag1 now i'm someone who moves around a lot and so getting a morning routine that i can do even on the road is extremely important and that's why i love ag1 all i need is one scoop a day eight ounces of water shake that thing up and i am ready to go getting all kinds of nutrients high quality ingredients that will keep me running at a high level I especially love the travel packs. And when you go to AG1 and use our special promo code, you will get a 30-day supply of the vitamin D, the free travel packs, five free travel packs with your first purchase. So go to drinkag1.com backslash NHL network. That's drinkag1.com backslash NHL network and check out a great way to start your morning routine off right. Thanks as always for making Locked On a part of your daily destination and a reminder that Locked On has launched the first ever national 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with local experts like all of us right here, plus our national shows covering every league, yes, including the National Hockey League. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. Okay, I'm super excited to do what I like to call another squad cast here. Erica L. Ayala, host of Locked on Kraken, joined by Russ and Rachel from Locked on Flyers. And we are going to do battle on Friday evening at Climate Pledge Arena. And so we're going to talk about this matchup. But Rachel, you and I get to talk every other week at least. So Russ, I want to ask, how are you doing? And how are the Flyers doing this at this point in the season? I'm doing good. And yeah, the Flyers are doing better than expected. So, you know, coming in there, they're, they're not going to be an easy team to, to play against. They're a little bit more veteran laden than maybe what was advertised that was going to be happening uh, before the season began. And right now that's the kind of team you're going to face. So you're going to face a team that, you know, not is not going to give up in any situation. They're going to play really hard. They have two or three different styles that they like to play, which is kind of odd. John Tortorello is sort of switching things up now um, later in his career. But, you know, you could expect a, uh, a tough game. 
For sure. You mentioned Tortorella, obviously a coach that is, I'd say, polarizing, <laughs> perhaps. And uh, I do have some listeners who have questions about our head coach for you two. But uh, Rachel, I, I, what can you say about the Torts era and, and how things have changed, if at all, in Philadelphia? Yeah, I'm not sure this is exactly what he signed up for when he first became uh, head coach of the Flyers. And that, of course, was under the Chuck Fletcher administration, uh, which did not last uh, a tremendous amount of time uh, while he was there. But Danny Breer made it very clear and Keith Jones, like the new teeth president, um, that this was going to be a rebuild on this team. And that's not something that John Tortorella is known for in terms of, you know, managing a team in a rebuild. And especially um, he has a reputation of not dealing well with younger players. But, um, you know, I think to a large degree, he has taken this in stride. And, you know, I think that he has managed to create a culture change in this team, in this locker room. And that has led to the success that we've seen with this team so far, I think, you know, there are some things that maybe we would like to see that going better in terms of prospect development and getting more guys from the Phantoms called up and those sorts of things. But um, I think that, you know, certainly this team is winning a heck of a lot more this season than pretty much every prognosticator out there would have told you, <laughs> including maybe yeah, us, sure. to be honest. <laughs> Hey, listen, it certainly happens. And I, I think we can speak to that on the Kraken side of things. Maybe not exactly in the same direction, but uh, for sure. I mean, every season brings its own challenges. But um, as it stands right now, I mean, who are some of the key players, Russ, for the Philadelphia Flyers? And, you know, are there some maybe players that are, are missing or absent or maybe even just underperforming at this point in the season? Well, right now, I mean, Travis Konechny is their, their best player. He's super important. Sean Couturier is a big addition to have back. He, you know, he was hurt and really hurt for almost two years. Uh, he's been a big deal, especially on the, on the penalty kill, on faceoffs. To get a number one center back is not, you know, easy to do in this league. Um, someone like Cam Atkinson is kind of underperforming right now. And, you know, I think he's played enough games since his neck injury that you would think he'd be okay. but just hasn't really been able to get it going lately. So he's a guy that's struggling. And and some of the younger players, Tyson Forster, Bobby Brink, they have moments, but but they've, they've been struggling a bit lately. Yeah, for sure. I think that's definitely what we've seen on the side of the Seattle Kraken. A lot of people looking to see what Matty Medeiros would do after his Rookie of the Year season. And it's been on and off. I think that his kind of attention to detail has been relatively consistent. Just the results haven't been there, but that's kind of been the name of the game for the Seattle Kraken. I think it's very interesting that Dave Haxtell likes to say that we're a consistent team, but I talk about Unlocked on Kraken all of the time that, you know, consistency to me means being able to mind your gaps in the defensive zone and uh, defend breakaways and not have your goaltender be overworked in the first period of games on a continuous basis. So those are things that mean consistency to me, but apparently not to Dave. So something about that though. And and Rachel and I That sounds very familiar. And something about that that you know Rachel and I have talked about and I talk about this a lot about prospects. If you want younger players to do all those things like Dave Haxtell does, it can take away from their offense. And I think maybe last year um Beniers probably 
if we start looking at his offensive zone starts, defensive zone starts, we start digging into those things. He was probably shielded a little bit. He's probably not shielded a little bit now. And so now he's got to really work twice as hard. Whereas if he didn't have all of that responsibility, probably be scoring more. That's what a lot of times what happens to some of these young players. That's a really great insight. And I know, Rachel, you said that that sounds familiar. I, I do want to ask if if that's reminiscent of uh, the Haxtell era in, in Philadelphia. But just to stick on that point, Russ, that you're making, I, I know that a lot of people have wondered if maybe th- there's been a, a big focus for the Seattle Kraken across the board to win more face-offs and to do better, even if we're not winning the face-off, to regain possession immediately following a, a face-off draw. And so Matty Beneers, having he, him being our, our top line center, that's a lot of responsibility on him. And I get that. Um, maybe that's not what he was doing. Maybe he was shielded a little bit last year. But here's kind of my thought process. Like, if you're going to be a top centerman, in the National Hockey League, I think, yeah, you, you should be leaning into winning faceoffs. You should be leaning into playing strong, you know, in all three zones. And so if that's a learning curve that he has to get over in this season, I personally, and I think anyone that listens to Locked on Kraken knows I'm a defense first person. So I'm okay if that means that the offense is not as highlight worthy as it was last year. That that being said, I think that there are things that the Seattle Kraken have to figure out as far as unlocking the offense when it comes to particular players. And I think we've leaned too much on expecting Andre Burakovsky to be healthy. He's already been injured twice this year, and we lost him uh, right before our playoff run last year. So that's the balancing act that you have to kind of figure out that I think the Seattle Kraken have to figure out when it comes to on- offensive production for a player like Matty Beneers, who also plays a very um, integral position on the ice. Yeah, so, you know, Burakovsky, yeah, he did have that problem in, in Washington too. The thing about Beneers is, look, he he has he's fast as far as faceoffs, has good hands. His strength isn't where it's going to be in two years yet. So, again, it's a little bit unreasonable for Dave Haxtell to think he's going to be like, I don't know, a 55% face-off guy. Just because you're a number one center, you still got to take the other things into account. His man strength's not there yet. So whoever's on his line should really be making up the slack. So like if he ties him up, that's the guy that should be going in and stealing the puck. So I, you know, I would tend to look at those guys a little more. Going up against Sean Couturier is going to be a good learning experience for him as far as taking face-offs go. I know the Flyers overall are not very good at face-offs, but Sean Couturier (laughs) tends to be pretty solid at them. um, And with that veteran experience, like he knows what he's doing. Yeah. And I I think, Rachel, that is a huge point right there. And we've been talking a lot about Matty Beneers, but there have been so many injuries to some of our more veteran players that you also have players like Ty Cartier stepping up. Uh, You have players like Devin Shore. We've had so many players going back and forth, just trying to fill and plug holes. Uh, Pierre-Edouard Belmar is not in the lineup right now. I know. Uh, I'm so bummed. He's like one of the top X flyers. Yeah, he's a a fun guy. Nice guy. Yeah, it looks like he's going to definitely miss this game, but uh, also not on track to to be back until after the Winter Classic. So that's unfortunate. Uh, You know, 
because he wouldn't be skating on a lake, though. So I don't know how excited he was <laughs> for the Winter Classic. You know, you have to think about this, too, Erica. In the West, there's a lot of really great big centermen, bigger than Beneers, guys like Shifley. You know, there's a lot of tough guys that he has to go up against. That You don't just get better in a year or two against those kinds of guys. You just don't. Yeah, that's all very, very true. And that's where Beneers, he's known that since he's come on board. I do think that Ty Cartier, as far as rookies, even Riker Evans, who's been able to find his way into the lineup, they've been doing a lot better uh, managing that physicality. But we also yeah, they're, know they're that overall. Guys too, right? they're yeah, guys. exactly. Yeah. And, and overall, <laughs> you don't have to be a rookie on the Kraken to get bullied. And that's a little bit of just what some people wonder is missing from our game is, is being able to be physical. I think there's being physical within the confines of the game. And then there, of course, is defending your teammates. And I think that we're below the bar <laughs> when it comes to both. Uh, coming from women's hockey, I don't necessarily need dropping the gloves. I think it's a little ridiculous uh, in, in an age where across sports overall we're asking people to speed up the game but um you know i do think overall we need to find ways to put a little more meat on our bones maddie veneers of course being chief among them but uh like i said rachel and russ i do want to ask you both a little bit more um about dave haxtell and uh, and i'm sure that you have some questions for the kraken i certainly have questions about the kraken and what we did last year and if we can do it again this year <laughs> right and uh we will get to all of that coming up next you know that feeling when your favorite flyers or i guess kraken player scores a hat trick uh, if you want to get that feeling and win a hundred times your money play daily fantasy hockey on the sleeper app as the official daily fantasy app of the locked on nhl network sleeper is our top choice for your daily fantasy sports especially daily fantasy hockey you can also play daily fantasy nfl nba mlb when it's in season and college football on sleeper and entries can be made in under a minute. You've got elite players like Connor McDavid, Sidney Crosby, and Austin Matthews, plus new guys like Connor Bedard. All you need to do is make more or less picks on stats for these stars. You choose from stats like goals, assists, saves, plus, minus, and more. To win 100 times bet on Sleeper, you need to correctly predict the outcome of eight player stats. You heard me. You can win 100 times your money playing daily fantasy hockey with Sleeper. So start paying attention and nail those picks so you can start winning big. Use the promo code LOCKEDONNHL and you'll get up to $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. That's code LOCKEDONNHL. See Sleeper's terms of use for details and locational availability. Of course, uh, you can catch the Flyers versus Kraken at 10 p.m. Eastern. That's 7 p.m. Pacific. Catch every second of the hometown broadcast you want with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Search for Flyers or Kraken. So Dave Hextall, I guess, is the uh, elephant in the room, so to speak, here. Yeah, you know... I think that he had a rough go of it in his first head coaching job in the NHL. And I think every coach that has, you know, that moves, especially from college to the NHL, I think that's a much bigger jump than a lot of people, um, you know, 
really consider. And so he did have some success in Philadelphia, but when it like went south, it really went south and it went south quickly and he just couldn't figure it out. I think spending time in Toronto as an assistant really helped him. And I think, you know, he has had some success in Seattle, but uh, would love your take on that as well in terms of how you think he's doing in a sophomore year. I think that uh, and specifically, I, I just want to shout out the everydayers and OGers on Locked on Kraken because they wanted me specifically to ask you about your thoughts on, uh, let me let me pull up the comment here, quote, if you miss the Jack Adams Award nominee, Dave Axton. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so on that note, I think that we saw the potential. I think we saw what I talk about on, on the locked on Kraken podcast a lot as the long-term vision. I think it came ahead of schedule and what we're seeing this year. Also familiar. (laughs) Right. And so what we're seeing this year is how can we sustain that? And I will be honest. I've probably gotten the closest that I personally have been to wanting to throw all criticism to Dave Haxtell. And then I started thinking about it a little bit more. And I, I'm at this point right now, and, and we've met some success. We can't seem to collect more than two wins um, in a row, which I think is going to be a challenge down the line for us. But I do think that some of the challenges that we're having I mentioned the injuries already on this squad cast episode. That's massive. And what I say a lot on, on the locked on Kraken podcast is you have to be ready for injuries in professional sports. They are going to happen. It's inevitable. You are never going to get through a season 100% healthy. So that leads me to not putting so much heat on Dave, but instead wondering if Ron Francis and the rest of the front office are being a little bit too conservative when it comes to what we're doing at free agency, at the trade deadline, um, and even throughout the season. For example, we mentioned Matty Beniers a lot in the last segment. Getting Tomas Tatar in a trade has changed what that top line of Beniers and Eberle, they've yeah. been the two mainstays. And then getting someone like Tatar, who knows how to crash the net, who can use, he's not the biggest guy in the world, just like the rest of our roster, but he's effective and he knows how to use his body in situations. Those things to me, Dave is inheriting a roster. I'm sure he speaks to everyone else at the front office, but at the end of the day, the the sustainability piece and some of the issues that we're having in such an injury-laden season, to me, point to a little bit more needs to be done at the front office level. and you know, Dave Haxtell is going to do what he can do to get the team where it needs to be. But also a little bit of the the lackluster performance for the Kraken. If we're being honest, I think some of that is on the players because they have been set up for success, especially out the gate. And if you're not ready to perform, there's nothing Dave and the rest of the coaches can do about that. Yeah. So a question that I have for you, and this is like a Ron francis kind of question, because since the Kraken have been around, they have not really tried to get that number one defenseman in draft, in trade, in anything. They had Giordano for that short time. Um, and right now, you know, I like Vince Dunn, but he's not a number one defenseman. I think we all know that. So when you go up against some of those tougher teams and you watch these games, Erica, how much faith do you have in Vince Dunn and Adam Larson to kind of, you know, 
shut down, I don't know, Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, guys, you know, you could talk all around the league, Elias Patterson, all those kinds of guys. Wow, this is a great question. And for anyone watching on YouTube, you saw my reaction when Russ brought up uh, top-tier defensemen because I think you are right. Vince Dunn and Adam Larson, I think, are a great combination because Vince Dunn continues to push himself and push the envelope when it comes to his his being able to jump up in the offense, and he's very effective. He's our leading, uh, you know, our points leader right now going into – Friday's yeah. game. So he's very effective there. Adam Larson drove me crazy in season one, but I, I'm understanding his game a little bit more. And I think that he does above serviceable. You know, I don't, I, I think he's sl a slightly above average, especially when you really look at, uh, as I do, uh, really being able to nullify opportunities. That's what a good defender does, in my opinion, and mm -hmm. it doesn't get noticed. If a good defender is doing their job, you're not noticing them at all. Right. I think he's done a better job being that for us. I think he's one of our smoothest defenders. He doesn't make a lot of mistakes, and he's able to clean up other things. Um, that being said, the Seattle crack in the way we are built, because we don't have – I would argue a true top defenseman who can handle some of the offensive power you're talking about. We've had to do things by committee and that's how our team is built to do things by committee. And that's why players like Brian Dumoulin or Pierre-Edouard Belmar, who we've already talked about, they know that when they come to the Seattle Kraken, that the, the, the role that they have, there's more to be done because everyone has to contribute for the system to work for the team to be successful. And again, there have been times this season where it looks to me like there have been blown assignments, like there have there has been lethargy. There are just guys that are not stepping on the ice at the 20 minute mark on the on the clock in the first period ready to go. And so for me, I've been clamoring that we need more on the defensive side for years now, for years. Well, what about in the draft? It doesn't seem like they've even identified, look, I like Dreykasevic, but he's not going to be a top pairing defenseman. Like, it just doesn't seem like they're even trying in the draft to, to get that. I would agree with you, Russ. I would agree. I mean, again, Riker is doing great for us right now. And, you know, he's one of our prospects that came through. But to your point, we've now had a, a couple of drafts and there hasn't been an emphasis there. And I think, honestly, the the, the defensive side of things or D-men, I should say, and goaltending go hand in hand. And on the goaltending side, we're I think a little bit handcuffed in, in a few different ways by the contracts that we gave to Drieger and Grubauer, mm -hmm. by the injuries that Drieger and Grubauer have had, and also by the fact now that Joey Decord, and this is a good problem to have, but Joey Decord is really stepping up for the Seattle Kraken and making a case for himself to be an NHL caliber goalie. And so if they want to, you know, kind of futz around and not figure out who they want to choose between goalie number one, goalie number two, goalie and goalie number three, we run a, a really big risk of losing Joey Decord right before he really breaks through. And that I think would just be detrimental to what the Seattle Kraken are trying to do in the long run. I think that's very, very possible. Um, I do want to talk about the Winter Classic, uh, which is coming up for the Kraken. But I do want to get one other thing in first, um, because there's a similarity between the Flyers and the Kraken in that 
they're really good at getting scoring chances, really good at getting high danger chances, right? Every game, game after game, the averages are high, but both the Flyers and the Kraken are below three goals for per game. Um, the Kraken are at 2.69. The Flyers are a little higher than that, just under the three goal mark at 2.97. But like, what do you think the issue is there on the Kraken side? You know, I think the high danger chances have started to increase. I mentioned I mentioned Tomas Tatar before uh, uh, Jaden Schwartz got injured. You saw that there was an emphasis to have him as a net front presence. Not a big guy, but scrappy. Uh, you know, we we lost, unfortunately, Ryan, in my opinion, Ryan Donato, who can mix it up and really get garbage goals. What I think for us is missing is really owning the slot. On Locked on Kraken, we look at the heat maps after almost every game, sometimes before. And what we see is that Joey Decord, Philip Grubauer, whoever's in net for us, they're having to stop pucks very deep into the slot, right in front of the crease. And the Seattle Kraken overwhelmingly, and again, the trend is starting to tilt, but overwhelmingly in the beginning of the season, we were not getting to those areas. We were not shooting in those areas and we were being pushed out and deep and had to create offense from distance. So I love that we're starting to see more of that. But for me to answer your question, Rachel, that's been what has limited our scoring output. And again, I talked about this in the first segment, but the consistency, I just don't think that it's really been there and and we give more breakaway opportunities than, than we get. And so for me, that's been the issue. But I mean, does that sound familiar for Flyers or what do you think is keeping you below three goals uh, per game? I mean, we don't have a net front presence either. Right. So <laughs> I think there's none. It's fleeting, like, fleeting at best. Yeah. We, we always talk like we haven't had a good net front presence on the flyer since Wayne Simmons. And that is not a lie. That's true. Mm. Wow. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, and you got to you got to get dirty for it. And again, I talked about the physicality, but that just seems to be missing that bite. Uh, you know, I think Yanni Gord arguably is is one of the most feisty players that we have. He's also, you know, one of the smaller players yeah. that we have. Uh, but his line with Bjorkstrand and um Oh my goodness, why am I blanking right now? Uh, uh, Ellie Tolvanen um, <laughs> with Bjorkstrand and, and Tolvanen. They, from training camp, that was the line that I was looking to to see. And once again, our third and fourth line, you know, the quote unquote bottom six for the Seattle Kraken have been the most consistent for us. That's a Dave Haxtell I, I will... No offense. <laughs> Dave Haxtell gets the most out of those bottom six. He is that guy. I mean, yeah. and you know, they, they've, that, that is what created the, the, even the possibility for the Kraken to, to make the, the playoffs, let alone get to the second round. I mean, that is huge. And that's that by committee. That's that, you know, every, every yeah. man doing his job. But when that, when anyone is off their game, there's not enough or not a player in the right position for the Kraken to put the team on their back. We just don't have that. Unless they're the goalie. Uh, and if Joey Decord would start shooting uh, on net, ah. I'd be happy with him. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, yeah, so the Winter Classic is around the corner. This game against the Flyers is the last game before the Winter Classic. Yep. Um, how has the Road to the Winter Classic documentary stuff been going behind the scenes? And then 
like is is this the game against the Flyers to fine tune to get ready for it? Like how much pressure is there on the Kraken? Yeah, that last uh, or the the middle question that you said, you know, is this the game to get ready? I think for me, putting aside the Winter Classic and just kind of the the event that it is it's another game it's a game against a pacific division opponent it's a game against a team that we have not played particularly well against so i think this game against the flyers especially coming off of how we played in california against la and anaheim this is where the seattle kraken can really step into consistency that yields results because i think I guess what Dave is trying to say is that he feels his team, he feels the Kraken are consistent, but that the results just haven't fallen in their favor. I think that's a little kinder than I personally would be. Maybe it's the New Yorker in me. I don't know. But uh, I, I hear what he's saying. And this is a game against the Flyers that will test if the Seattle Kraken have truly leveled up their game enough to compete with a team that is is solid. I mean, you know, you look at where the Flyers are in the Metro division. You look at what you've been able to do as far as getting points up on the board, so to speak, as far as the standings are concerned. These are the types of games that the Seattle Kraken, regardless of if it's winter classic time, regardless of, uh, you know, whatever else is happening, need to get these wins. So that's how I'm looking at this game against the Flyers as far as preparation goes. Now, when it comes to the excitement of, again, the event, Seattle is super excited about this. I mean, the Jersey reveal was very strange. Like the Utah Jazz, I don't know who thought that was a good idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't get that whole thing. I didn't get it. It was so strange. But we got over that little speed bump, <laughs> and people love the unis. Uh, the, the field rendering looks great. We've been able to see it come together piece by piece in Seattle. Everything from even the media side of things and what we're going to be able to do in Seattle, because I will be at, at the Winter Classic game, it, it, it looks like it's top notch. And that's always what Seattle as a franchise has been able to do really well. And now I think it's a, a matter of against the Flyers, can we start – getting that consistency can we start really leveling up the game so that when we do have these big event games winter classic i don't know if stadium series is in the works or the the big one the playoffs that we're ready that we're ready for all of the hype and all of this you know the, all of the extra one thing to add because you had mentioned yeah so for all my years of covering a bunch of winter classics and outdoor games especially the winter classic the emphasis on that is like having three home games and it's never in your mm. park, right? Because it's in T-Mobile, which is a great park, but it's not in your home yeah. arena. You're you're asking now. You're everybody's getting asked for 20, 30 tickets a game. Your family is now <laughs> at every practice. Like everything you do is being watched on TV. And I'm just saying, watch the players because you'll yeah. find out which ones maybe it's a little too much for, if at all. But sometimes it becomes That's that, real. and they they can actually get on a losing streak if they don't win that game because of the emphasis especially on the home team. They they have all the pressure on them. Yeah, that that's that's really interesting and I think again it's something that we started to see a little bit even just with the fatigue of the grind that the playoffs can yeah. take on you. I don't think that everyone on the Kraken was completely ready for that. Even as much as we have guys, I mentioned Yanni Gord, uh you know, we we have players like Brian Dumoulin who I think he said has uh, played in seven winter classics you know these are the times where those guys and their experience and probably four or five outdoor games overall yeah right exactly so you know I, 
you know, how how much does their experience trickle down to a Will Borgen who's never played an outdoor game, uh, a Maddie Beneers who's never played an NHL outdoor game, a Riker Evans, you know, how, how much can they realistically take their experience and kind of like, I don't know, like, like supersonic and part it <laughs> on them. They're, yeah. Like there's not much you can do. You just have to go through it. And so that's another really good point, Russ, that you make that this is an opportunity for the Seattle Kraken to be center stage in the NHL hosting as a city at least. And there's a little bit extra that you have to do extra media and stuff. I did think though, and I've never been to a winter classic myself, uh, but I thought it was interesting that Brian Dumoulin mentioned that in some ways it's it's not a necessarily good or bad thing, but he mentioned that it's interesting to play a winter classic game or an outdoor game because the crowd and the energy and sometimes the, you know, the tension that's created by fans banging on the glass, it's not really there. So you have to also adjust to that. It's a little yeah. bit more intimate. You're really hearing everything that you're, teammates and your opponent is saying on the ice, which creates a whole nother experience as well. True. So I think it should be an interesting game uh, between the Flyers and the Kraken. Very much looking forward to it. Uh, Erica, uh, any final words and where can people find you? I mean, hey, we'll we'll see. This is still very much a, a Kraken team that is learning how to win instead of trying not to lose, as Jordan Eberle says all of the time. And so I'm I'm actually excited to see how they're going to fare because you, you mentioned it both bef uh, as we've talked through this squad cast, but, you know, this is a team, maybe, maybe it's, uh, is it sustainable? Who knows? But the, the matter uh, or the fact of the matter is that you're playing pretty solid hockey right now. The results have been there. And these are the kinds of tests that the, the Seattle Kraken need to show if they, if they're going to be a legit team and if they can make a push to the playoffs. So I'm excited. Um, you know, I, I don't usually do like scoreline predictions, but I'll say it this way. The Seattle Kraken will win against the Flyers if they really continue to focus on scoring first and maintaining a lead. That was our Achilles heel early on, and the numbers don't lie whether it's if we're behind first period, second period, or going, you know, going into the third, whatever the case is, if we're behind, we're probably losing. So I want to see us get out early because that's what it's going to require. And then we have if, to have if, this. If you go two team. goals down in an outdoor game, it's rough. Yeah. It's hard to come Yeah, well, exactly. It's hard. Well, in any game, I mean, for the Kraken, we don't need it to yeah, be an outdoor game. Yeah, but outdoor is even harder because it takes a little more to get the offense going. It does. Yeah, I could see that. Again, kind of the atmosphere is totally different. So for me, the Kraken will win the game if they really focus on getting ahead of the game, not having to chase the game, instead having, in this case, the Flyers chase them and they set the cadence and the pace of the game. Well, the Flyers are pretty good when they... Oh, and you can find me at Lockdown Kraken. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, the Flyers are pretty good at uh, winning when they score first, and they've been pretty successful on the road, and this Western road trip is a huge deal for them. So yeah. um, it should be, you know, a, a really good uh, unstoppable force, immovable object kind of game, and I'm looking forward to yeah. it. Uh, and then, for Russ, sure. where can people find you? Yeah, they can find me... Uh on Twitter at Sportsology, uh, sportsology.com, NHLDraftBuzz.com. Excellent. And I'm Rachel Donner, and I'm at R. Miriam uh, in a lot of places as well. So 
good squadcast and uh, we'll catch y'all on the flip side.